This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor at Education Next. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, the Every Student Succeeds Act, ESSA it's called, ESSA, a federal law signed by President Obama in 2015 requires that every state, in order to receive federal funds, inform the U.S. Department of Education whether ineffective teachers are concentrated in schools with disadvantaged students. Now this has put a burden on the states uh, and the California Board of Education in July has decided to duck this question. It took the advice of the California Teachers Association and decided that any teacher who holds a teaching license in the subject they're teaching is ipso facto, ipso facto uh, effective. So if you've got the credential, you're an effective teacher. Well, I have with me today Eric Hanyshek, Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution at Stanford University, and he's one of the country's leading authorities on what makes for an effective teacher. So Rick, thank you for joining me on Education Exchange. Uh, may I ask you, what's the difference between a qualified teacher and an effective teacher. Where does this distinction come from and how does this all relate to the decision? There have been discussions about teacher quality for a long period of time, but they've been intense since uh, the beginning of No Child Left Behind, our previous Federal Accountability Act, and they now come back in terms of ESSA. For a long time, particularly when we didn't have any data, people said we can tell whether you have a good teacher by their qualifications. Do they have experience? Did they go to get a master's degree? Have they taken the appropriate professional development that's prescribed by the state? And that dictated most of our teacher policies in our school uh, actions. So a qualified teacher and an effective teacher were one and the same because the only measure of effectiveness that we had was whether or not they had a license. Precisely. And then all of a sudden we started getting data on the performance of teachers. The data came in the form of seeing what students learned in different classrooms so that in some classrooms, students learned a lot. And in other classrooms, they learned little. And Yeah, but isn't that just because some kids learn a lot and, and they come from families that are better educated and they've already helped that child with their, their learning? Uh, what does that have to do with effective teachers? Well, over time, what we've tried to do is adjust for all of the factors that influence achievement outside of the classroom and focus on whether in some classrooms kids learn more than in others. And then secondly, we can ask the question, if a teacher seemed to get a lot of learning this year, does she get a lot of learning next year with a different group of students? And over time, most people have now accepted the idea that student, student learning growth is a measure of 
the effectiveness of a teacher. It turns out, coming back to the original question, is there any difference between credentials and effectiveness, that the effectiveness in the classroom appears to be almost unrelated to all of the measures of credentialing and the qualifications of teachers. And you're telling me that if somebody has gone and gotten trained in how to become an effective teacher and somebody else hasn't gone through that training program, that they're not going to have a better teacher from if they have the one that's qualified? Well, the elaborate answer is yes. <laughs> Let's see now. What does yes mean here? Yes, yes means that, that uh, there is no difference between the one who has gotten all the training in the appropriate teacher's preparation school and those that haven't, that on average, they're just as effective in the classroom. So how about if they get a master's degree? That also turns out to be the case, that there is essentially no correlation at all between master's degrees and effectiveness in the classroom. Now, part of that is actually built into the system because we define any master's degree as being appropriate for schools. And most of the master's degrees that teachers get while they're teaching is for educational leadership, which may not have anything to do, well, it, it actually doesn't have anything to do, as we can see from the data, with their effectiveness in the classroom. And yet, the, the key element, um, not so much for ESSA and the accountability statutes, but for uh, school districts, is that we pay extra for that. We pay about 20% extra for having a master's degree than not having one. So all this research has shown that there's a difference between an effective teacher and a qualified teacher actually did have some influence on what the federal government did in No Child Left Behind. They said that there shall be a qualified teacher in every classroom. In ESSA, they say, we want to know if you have an effective teacher in the classrooms of disadvantaged children. So that, that is a difference, isn't it? Absolutely, that's a difference, at least in the law. Um, no Child Left Behind not only said you had to have a qualified teacher, but you had to have a highly qualified teacher in every classroom. And there were several years of debate among the states and with the federal government about how to define that, but it basically came down to whether they had the right teacher credential. So what are most states doing about the new ESSA law? Are they trying to find out whether or not they have effective teachers in disadvantaged schools? We don't know the answer yet because uh, not even half of the states have filed their plans as to how they will meet the requirements of ESSA. But what we see around the country for those that have filed plans and for the larger group that haven't is a movement toward some attempt to measure real effectiveness. Don't in they terms usually of rely on principles to say whether the teacher is performing satisfactorily or not? Well, that's um, not even as discriminating as relying on credentials. It turns out that historically, if you just 
rely upon the evaluation system, which is in place in every state and in almost every district in the country, uh, you find that 97% of all teachers are um, good or superior and only 3% are in lower categories according to these historic evaluation procedures. So if you ask the principal, every teacher is performing very well indeed, thank you very much, except maybe for one or two. Indeed, indeed, and those people usually aren't rated as ineffective, they're rated as needing improvement. Well, okay, so let's get to this decision by the California Board of Education. So they actually have gone back to the old system. They've said, we don't know what effective is and what ineffective is. We're just going to go on the basis of do they have the qualifications. Is that how you read that decision? That's absolutely how I read it. Um, California has, in fact, punted on the idea of looking at effectiveness, and in particular looking at how effective teachers are distributed across different groups, like disadvantaged students or racial minorities. Well, California is the place where there was a lawsuit that went to a superior court, and the judge decided that, in fact, the practices in California were unconstitutional, that the seniority rights and the tenure rights given to teachers led to a concentration of ineffective teachers in the classroom of disadvantaged students. It's almost the source of all of this language in ESSA in the first place comes out of that lawsuit that came up in California. Now, that suit, Vergara v. what was it? Vergara, California. v. California was overturned by an appeals court, so maybe it's just dead on the water, but you think that's playing a role in all of this? Well, I don't think that's um, playing a role in ESSA, in the de determination of ESSA. It's certainly playing a role in California because California has resisted any attempts to alter the current teacher force. Um, California Teachers Association has proved to be a very powerful organization in the state of California, and they're happy with the way things are, thank you. Well, so... Um is this going to have any repercussions, or is this people are just going to shrug their shoulders and say, um, we're going to put up with whatever they decide? Well, there's been recent debate, and it isn't settled yet, about the authority of the Secretary of Education for the United States and whether she should, in fact, be evaluating the plans of each state. Um, she told the state of Delaware recently that their plan wasn't ambitious enough, that it didn't call for large enough gains in student achievement. And there was a huge uproar of both professionals and legislatures, um, including uh, the senator who drafted the ESSA law saying that's not the role of the Secretary of Education. In fact, um, states have their own uh, rights to make all the decisions. Um, that was the intent of the law. 
Well, that's sort of what Betsy DeVos said in her testimony at the time that she was being nominated. Whenever she was asked a question, she tended to say, well, that's a state and local responsibility. Is this an area where the federal government actually has a responsibility? Well, this um, is an issue that's being debated. In my opinion, um, the federal government does have a responsibility for establishing what students should be knowing and how far they should be progressing. Because as you and I have found in our, our joint work, uh, it's really important to the nation to have students performing well because the students are next year's labor force and this has a huge impact on the economy. And I think that the federal government is in a position to provide some guidance to states on where students should be going in terms of their achievement. What the states, what the federal government is completely ill-equipped to do is to tell states how to produce better achievement. And that was the flaw in No Child Left Behind. No Child Left Behind essentially said, well, the states should decide what achievement levels should be reached, and if the kids don't achieve it, we, the federal government, will tell you how to produce better achievement. So it was basically backwards. But the reaction to it in ESSA is to say the federal government has no role, I think is incorrect in my opinion, because it is the future of the U.S., how well our students in all of the states do. Well, thank you very much, uh, Rick, uh, for joining me on the Education Exchange. Uh, I've been speaking with uh, Eric Henishek, uh, Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution at Stanford University. I'm Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange.